0: So clear and so sincere that I could feel the way we felt in those moments. But our thoughts have turned to silence, and we have lost sight of the things that used to always unite us. Our thoughts have turned so selfish as we have consumed too much and choked on our own self-interest. Our mental bags are back right now. Friday, January 17th, and welcome to the very first episode of Shattering the Illusion. So, the other day, I was at the barber shop, and the TV was on, you know, there were quite a few people in there waiting, and they had the news on, I think it was CNN, and the sound was off, and they had, um, you know, subtitles on, and I was sitting there on my phone, scrolling through the news, and going through social media and, you know, I was peeking up at the TV here and there to see what kind of coverage that they had. I, I'm not a huge CNN fan, uh, but I will watch CNN from time to time just to get their, their perspective. So I was sitting there and they, there was the two older gentlemen in front of me and they were, I, I remember they looked up and they were talking about uh, president Trump, you know, and I could tell that these guys, you know, they, they weren't really politically savvy. They didn't really understand what was going on in the conversation uh, between the two of them. You know, they were talking about the impeachment, and I think one said to the other, "You know, well, they they just impeached Trump, so he's getting kicked out of office. They did that to Bill Clinton back in uh, the back in ninety two thousand or what? You know, like you know, they didn't have a clue, and." you know i thought to myself wow these guys are dumbasses you know but but were they really i mean or were they just average guys that just they don't they don't fucking know they just they're there to they work hard and they pro- provide for their families and you know enjoy life and they've got their hobbies and they they don't really care i mean what what does any of that have to do with them and You know, I think that so many of us that are are involved and we do consume news and we try to stay up on what's going on. And, you know, we've we've done our own research about what is impeachment. How does this process work? And we've gone back. Hell, I've actually gone back and read the Constitution in the last couple of months. And um, I I don't think that that people that think like me, I don't think we're the norm. I, I think that. Um, we get trapped on our in our own headspace on what's going on, and you know sometimes get angry or sometimes get upset. And really, I think for most people, they just don't care, or or even if they do, um, they don't think that any of this stuff has anything to do with them. You know, they're not really involved with the process of how our elected officials act on behalf of their constituents and you know, that, that struck me and you lose touch with that, you know, in in a, in the age of information. And so many people are spending so much time on social media, interacting and not interacting as much face to face with people like, like we had to back, you know, back in the day. Um, And I I feel like you can sometimes get, sometimes get disconnected. And, you know, that was just a just a reality call for me just sitting there you know just listening to these two guys talk and I started to think about you know how many others are like that you know is that is that the norm is that the status quo is that and and I think it is you know I think that uh, when you watch the media when you watch news coverage of whatever it is it could be a school shooting or um, wildfires or you know a celebrity death or what whatever it is you know um there's this corporate media obsession over these things and and people get drawn in and and it's it seriously when we went to this 24 hour news cable network format you know back in the 90s this stuff was it was just reality tv you know um the, People are living, trying to live through what is like an event that's going on together. And I think that was the first form of social media, really, before social media uh, existed to where you could actually get get on and interact with people and comment and and like and, and share and do all these different things that you can do on these platforms. And, you know, and it's evolved to this point now in the year two, 2020 where it is just bonkers what what you will see on TV now. If you actually watch news co- coverage and, and it doesn't matter, they're all bad, like they are all bad. It doesn't matter what side you are on. Um, none of them, none of them have your best interest. You know, they have their corporate interests at heart. And, you know, that's what they do. And going back to like, how did we get here in the year 2020? We got here because of the media. We're here in this moment because of how the media portrays reality to us. And I think that's what the focus of this podcast, Shattering the Illusion, that's what I want to be digging into is, um, you know taking a step back from what we're being told and actually self-evaluate maybe do a little bit of research uh and maybe form your own opinion now using the news is not bad you know you're you're still getting information but it's like uh your buddy who tells you a story and he's embellishing it and you know he maybe he did go fishing the other day okay yeah and he was out on his boat and Maybe he did catch a fish, but maybe it wasn't as big or maybe it wasn't as many or or whatever. It's like that happened, you know, your buddy telling you the fishing story, but maybe he's, you know, changed the narrative a little bit, you know, as he's retelling it. And that's that's what the news does in most instances. And we rely so heavily on these journalists and and a lot of times not journalists. There are so many people on these cable news shows now, especially in prime time that they're not real journalists. They're, you know, political commentators and, um, Oh, there's my kitty cat. She wants to come say hello. So I'm not, I'm just going to let the mic roll. If you hear, if you hear some meowing, uh, my cat is wondering who the hell I'm talking to, but, um, but going back to the media, um, you know, I you have to you have to take it with a grain of salt, and that that like I said, that's on all sides, you know, of 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 the ideological spectrum or whatever social issues that you are, um, you know, championing or ideologically uh, identify with, and you know, depending on who. Who you actually, what where you get your sources of information, um, you know, you're already biased in where you go to get them, depending on what you're, where you land on the ideological spectrum. And I, I just want to talk about that, and I want to, I want to break that down as we go through this election year. And you know, it's going to be crazy, it's going to be wild, and there's going to be all kinds of twists and turns. In the media, they cannot predict what's what's going on. If you relied on the media back in two thousand and sixteen, we wouldn't be where we're at today. This man would never have won the presidency if we would have relied on what the media told us, and what all the experts told us, and what all these paid political contributors told us. Um, and that was that was universal. You had very few voices actually um, had some sort of you know, gauge on what reality was. Um, so, so here we are and we're, we're going into this again. It's 2020. It's, it's an election year. We, it seems like we just went through the midterm elections and, you know, one thing that stuck out to me about the midterms going back to 2018 before we, before we go back to 2016 was um, this, this Obsession from the right of caravans and immigrants and illegals, and I, I hate that term illegals, um, man, they obsessed over this. And they used this as a scare tactic to get uh, conservatives and Republicans and Trumpulicans and MAGA and whatever whatever side of the ideological spectrum you fell on the right or even independents Um, that were undecided they were they were trying to get you to the polls and through fear and this is not anything that is new I mean they've used these tactics on on both sides before Um, but man it really failed like it didn't it did not work and I think that that was an encouraging sign because a lot of people went out to vote A lot of there was a lot of voter turnout um and i'm not rooting for the democrats here i'm just i'm rooting for the democratic process um and a lot of like diverse electric electorates went out to actually vote in the midterms and there was a change you know obviously a, a big change and um I think that started with 2016. So when we go back and we look at 2016, we have to blame the media for for everything that happened. And for as much as the current president slanders the media and calls them fake news or certain outlets are unfair and biased and that was not the case in 2016 um at all. You know, he until until the general election, um, th- then I think he started seeing that push and that movement towards, you know, CNN is fake news and this and that and the other. But as we went through that primary season, and, and I followed the primaries on the Republican side, you know, you had these seventeen hopefuls on stage. You had all these uh, political elites and. And, and then you had Donald Trump, you know, somewhere in the middle there. And, you know, I, I want to know who, if Donald Trump wouldn't have been there, like my, my thought was always like, who would have been the nominee? You know, like it would have, been, it would have been so different. And would they have won? You know, would they have beat the eventual nominee on the Democratic side, which ended up unfortunately being Hillary? Um. Would they have won? Like, would it have been close? Would it? Have, would they have been, you know, in a crushing landslide defeat um, in the general election? I I don't know. Um, the focus was just on Donald Trump. I mean, those d- the debates had very little substance to them, um, at all. And you know, it as a informed person like going through the we're going through this process again I don't care about uh the sound bites or the the hit job on the other candidate or wow they really landed a blow on Biden or whatever it is however they these stupid pundits and these people in the media talk about it I actually want to know what the hell they stand for like what is their plan like please tell me something that you're going to do to fix problems in this country because our country has many many problems and I think uh the vast majority of Americans agree to that point, at least. That's a nonpartisan uh issue that shit is messed up, you know, there is some serious stuff wrong in this country. And but going back to those those primaries, that's not what it was. It was they were it was the soundbite primary season, you know. In the headlines, you know, uh, Trump lands blow on Cruz, you know, Trump goes after Cruz, Trump neuters Bush, you know, like all these things. I honestly and I, I watched all these debates and I followed the coverage. I cannot remember what the hell they talked about, like issue wise, substance wise, like I could tell you right now what they're talking about on the Democratic side in 2020, you know, like what the what the key issues are. And kind of where people stand on those issues. These people who are, are trying to get that nomination. But in 2016, I don't remember anything about what was going on on the right. It was just a shit show. It was a reality TV show. And the media played right into it. And they, they created the monster that became the eventual Republican nominee, which was Donald Trump. And, you know, he had his his little his key things you know build a wall uh illegal immigration appoint the judges you know these are these are not new things i think the the wall thing was new everyone thought that was bat shit at the time crazy um a lot of people still do you know and it hasn't happened and it's not going to happen and i think people who still think that you know this wall is being built he told us you know no it's it's not um do some actual fact checking on that, do some research and you will, you'll be sadly disappointed in that, in that campaign promise. But, you know, he was good. He was a, he was really good at campaigning and, uh, it became, it became a thing, you know, it became a movement and there was no movement on the other side. Back in 2016, the movement that started in 2016 um was the Bernie Sanders movement and he had a legitimate grassroots movement behind him it wasn't about him it was about the people and and that continues today uh with what's going on in 2020 but the Trump movement you know it was it was about uh you know destroying the norms in DC and Uh, the establishment and drain the swamp and all these different things. And then he threw in the, this is what I'll do for you. You know, I'm a businessman and I will bring back the jobs and I will, I'm going to save the economy and I'm going to bring back uh, the American middle class and the working class and all these things. And, you know, has he been terrible as a president with, with some of those promises, I I think that, uh, the jury is still out on that. You know, I think that there have been some positive economical, uh, things that have happened in the last three years, but, you know, um, you know, my line of thinking is it's hard to analyze, what somebody is doing politically until after the fact you know like what are the effects of those plans those policies those laws it's you know it's really easy to throw a victory parade when you pass a law or you make a policy change or you enact an executive order that does this but it it takes time to tell us whether that those decisions were effective or not so you know everyone who wants to bash the the Trump administration for the economy, um, jury's still out. It's too early to tell for those who want to champion him, same, you know, the other side of the coin. Um, we're not there yet. You know, he, he's not wrecked the economy. That's for sure. Um, there've been a lot of positive things, but I, I don't think that, um, his policies, especially his, uh, Trade policies with the tariffs. Jury's still out on that. We don't know in the long run. I mean that that, that policy plan is that's a long game. You know, he could he could negatively affect the economy right now. Uh, you know, farmers, industrialists, like certain uh, sectors of the economy now, but in five years from now. We thrive because of some of those policy decisions he made. Now we don't know that. We the jury's still out on that. So I think that those are losing arguments politically, Um, and and I think they typically are on either side. Um, But you know, you go back to to that campaign season, and um, I don't. You know, you don't remember the policies, and you don't remember what they talked about in the debates. But you remember the movement and you you have all those visuals of those rallies and the rhetoric. And it got to the point where the, the media, the same media now who um, spends 20 hours a day talking about him, obsessing over him, uh, mostly in a negative way, they were the same ones that were sycophants to him back on the campaign trail in 2016. They would cover him you know, breaking news. Trump's going to hold a rally. I mean, how many of his rallies became breaking news? I don't remember that in any other election cycle. Um, unless it was like a major, you know, candidate uh, Obama is going to speak overseas or, you know, candidate McCain is going to give a major speech on immigration or whatever it was, you know, like whatever that key event was. You know, if you if you elevated what that appearance was going to be or that event, you would get more media coverage. But, I mean, Trump could fly to a McDonald's and it was breaking news, you know, like they just fed into it. And and everyone agrees to that point now, you know, like all these years later. Um, So the same media now that that spends all their time tearing him down, they're the ones that got him elected. Um, that and, and what happened on the other side, um, which was just a debacle, the Democrats, just, just a debacle in 2016. And we're seeing some of that again now in 2020. But so, you know, you go back to, to that campaign season and, and talking about the media, they did the same thing on the democratic side. So liberal, Mainstream biased media, um, their establishment, they are pro-establishment. They do not like change. They do not like anything radical. They do not like progressive policies because they are a corporate entity and they, you know, that's not good for their bottom line. They, they back the candidates who align ideologically and policy wise with what's going to be best for the corporatists in America. And this has evolved for decades. You know, this is, I think just now in the last four years or so, I think this is one positive thing that Trump has had, one positive effect that he's had. I think in the aftermath of what happened with Bernie Sanders in 2016, um, we're now seeing the positive effect of that now in 2020, because... This whole notion of, you know, this buzzword of being woke, you know, like I'm woke. Um, I think that that campaign cycle, it, it awakened America, you know, whether you like the outcome or dislike the outcome or you're campaigning for a different outcome this time around, I think more people are involved, more people are aware and, uh, we've seen a lot of people especially in those 2018 midterms become political you know like we had a lot of candidates who'd never run for office at all levels run for office and a lot of them won and and that's great like that's the way the system should work i hate this notion of you know the establishment Democratic National Convention, the DNC, like the, the establishment, they pick the appropriate candidate for the appropriate area and they back them and they dump all this money. That's horseshit, you know, and and they do the same thing. It's a little different right now on the Republican side because there's such a divide within their own party. You know, now, if you're not on board with this president, they'll primary you. They will install a pro-Trump person to, to primary you. In your house race or your state legislature race or whatever it is at whatever level. So you still have both the right and the left trying to control the candidate process. And, you know, they tried to do that in 2016. One side succeeded, one side did not. The side that did not succeed, they ended up with Donald Trump as their nominee. He became the president. He has changed the party forever. On the other side, the candidate that people were most enthusiastic about, especially the young people, um, he was not allowed to become the nomination, and that was based on the super delegate system that was still in place in 2016. Bernie won many of those states. You know, he won 22 states um, back in 2016. No one even expected anyone to give Hillary a shot or, or any competition. She was just this anointed next president, first woman president ever. And that's how they rolled her out. And that's how they campaigned her. Um, and people were already doing victory laps, especially when Trump became the candidate. Every, I mean, that party was, they were partying in the street. They, they were popping champagne. they had already won the election. And, um, A lot of people were pissed on on both sides, Um, and it it was just insane. So, you know, I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan. I definitely, um, I was too young to vote for Bill Clinton uh, in either 92 or 96. I did not turn 18 until later in 1998. I voted, I did vote in the 2000 election, I did vote for Al Gore, who should have won. I think he did win. Um, And that whole thing was a debacle. Um, I did not vote in 2004. You know, I did not agree with Bush. Um, Plus, I was on my way, you know, as I was on active duty at the time, I was on my way to war at the time, the war that he started. And uh, and John Kerry was just another established, establishment guy. He's the only one in the last 20 years or so who actually lost the popular vote to a Republican. That is insane, you know, to me. Um, and then, you know, I voted for Obama twice, and then I did not vote for either candidate in the last election. So... Um, I was not a Bernie guy in 2016. I was not a Hillary guy um, either. I didn't really know Bernie. I didn't know anything about him. Like, who was this guy? Like, he was the senator from Vermont. He was an independent who caucused with the Democrats. He was running for the Democratic nomination. I didn't understand who he was. Like, And I, I started to follow him a little bit. But he turned me on to like progressive politics, liberal, progressive politics, the democratic socialist stuff. And the more that I got into that, the more I agreed with it. You know, I don't agree with every single social or policy issue from that, like progressive wing of the party. But uh, their number one sort of mantra is get the money out of politics at all costs, like Um, there's movements to amend the constitution, to abolish money from politics. And I am 100% on board with that. I would say that that is my number one political issue now, um, in 2020. And I don't think we'll ever get there based on how the system has worked. Or if we do, it's going to be decades from now. Um, it's going to take, you know, elections after elections of building on a movement but I honestly think that that would be the greatest thing for our democracy, the greatest thing for this country. If we somehow got money out of politics, you know, it's it's just ridiculous. And that that is why we have what we have um, across the board. And nothing has changed, even though people are aware of it now. And I think a lot of people are now aware because of 2016. Uh, it's still going on and, and the media and the. Uh, the DNC, like all these all these big, powerful entities, they're still trying to bullshit the American public on this stuff. They're still trying to fool us, you know, and that's kind of, you know, another another reason why I wanted to talk through this stuff on this podcast and just shatter this illusion of what you think is pure, what you think is real. It's, it's really it's not, you know, um, and, it, and it all goes back to money. All the political debates and arguments and conversations I have, whether it's with, you know, super pro-Democrats or, you know, super pro-Trump people or somewhere in between, or it's a collection of all, you know, I always, I always win the argument. You know, I don't, no one ever wins an argument. You can't change anyone's mind, really, especially today. But the one thing I can I can win the argument on or at least get everyone to agree on is the money and politics issue, you know, and I always make that argument of this is what the world would look like if we just got the money out, you know, and then from there you can talk about term limits and and different things. But, you know, I think a lot a lot of people, the only reason they try to stay in power is because of the money. You know, you look at these salaries for these Congress people, you know, senators and and, uh, those who serve in the house and man, there's a lot of millionaires. There's a lot of multimillionaires in there that didn't have that money when, before they became a politician. So, um, there's something, you know, seriously wrong with that. And, you know, that's one of my number one issues, but going back to 20, 2016, um, I think that the 20, 2016 has planted the seeds now for 2020 I don't think we're at this moment now without what happened then on both sides. You know, um, obviously Trump is the incumbent he's running. So I don't know if you agree with him, if you support him, if you despise him, if you're impartial to him. It's been a rough go. It's been a rough three years. Um, I think even, you know, diehard conservatives will deep down think that, wow, you know, wow, you know, I'm a little amazed by that or I'm a little shocked by that. And, and his, the whole point of, of Trump is he, he knows that he's outrageous and he knows that he's extreme and he, he has more energy than you do. He will wear you down to the point where you just don't give a shit anymore. And that's what he's done. He's done it in the media. He's done it with the politicians. He's done it with Americans and it's like, it's like playing music really loud, like blasting music in someone's ear after a while. Like you just can't take it anymore and you just turn it off and you don't want to go anywhere near it. And that's kind of what he does. That's always been his strategy. That's been his political strategy. I, I honestly think he's a political genius for that strategy, you know, he owns it. He doesn't make apologies for all this stupid shit that he does and all this craziness. He owns it. And he goes out there and then he lies to you about it. And he gets everyone else on board with it. And before you know it, you don't know whether it's what, what the hell's going on anymore. And then something else happens. Like, he he's just a master manipulator over the news cycle and the narrative. And there have been so many moments in his current presidency that you think, Oh man, this is bad. And then a month later, you don't even remember what the hell that moment was because something else has happened or something else has been blown out of proportion by the news media or whatever it is. And you know, he's not going to stop. Like he's not going to stop. That is, that is a winning strategy for him. He's, he's doing better than what you think he's doing with his uh, constituency, with his approval ratings, with the polls and all those things. If we believed in polls, this dude would never even been president. You know, if we listened to all these pundits back in 2016, there was no way he was gonna win. Do you remember this? No way this guy would ever win. Like I said, they were doing victory laps the minute that he won the nomination. So. Um, but here we are. We're, we're in 2020, and w- there's a lot of lessons from 2016 now. Um, on the Democratic side, do not put an establishment candidate in there. Do not nominate an establishment candidate. You will lose the election again. That is the lesson from 2016. And that's not where the money is. That is not where the corporate interest is. Um, Joe Biden is the safe um you know status quo candidate he's got this long record he's he's not a person anymore he's more of a robot and that's how hillary was hillary was a robot she was not a person you know she had no feelings anymore she was a cold calculated politician and biden's the same way he just comes off a little bit more genuine but deep down he is He's in the same camp as Hillary. I mean, she was part of their administration. I mean, it's all just a system, you know. John Kerry was part of that administration. It's just nothing changed under under that presidency, those two terms of Obama. The system continued to, you know, churn out these this establishment uh posture and that and, and nothing has changed. I mean, Donald Trump came in and was the first person to become elected that was not establishment and um you know a lot of people didn't think that would happen so here we are again and and now they've got their second choice which is Buttigieg and I liked Pete Buttigieg when he first came on the scene obviously when you're new and you're a new name and you don't have the national recognition um you can only judge that person on the information that you have at the time and he was very likable you know the millennial he's a young guy um he had the background you wanted he was gay like all these different things like if you're more progressive on the social side like he he looked very promising and he started to surge in the polls and he was doing better and he was getting all this exposure and his interviews you thought man this guy's really smart and he's really intelligent and then the more you saw him and the more you got exposed to him He is just another politician. He's a product of the machine. Um, You have to start questioning his background. You know, how many of these things did he do because he had political aspirations for the future? He was a very smart guy, obviously can plan for a long game. Um, But, you know, he's got all these things now that he, he touts out on the campaign trail that, you know, they don't seem as genuine as they as they did when he first burst onto the scene as a as a new candidate. So, you know, I I don't know how he would be as a president or a vice president or a cabinet person. I don't know. Um, I'm not. I don't dislike Pete Buttigieg, but I'm just not. I don't believe him. Like he's not genuine to me. Same thing with Biden. And I think the more that this this thing has rolled on, he's gotten more. Uh, in bed with the donor class and he's met with a lot of like Hillary people, you know, like he's becoming establishment. Like he is, he is really being cooked up as this new uh, moderate portion of the establishment, even though he, he talks about progressive issues. I think he's a, he's similar to Obama like that. Obama seemed very progressive until he became president. He was not a progressive president whatsoever. Uh, he was very establishment, very status quo, very middle of the road politically. Um, and I, I see a lot of the same in Buddha judge and, you know, and it goes back to 2016. So who, who are we left with, you know, and it comes back to Bernie and I was not a Bernie guy in 2016. I was, a, I was really, a, I didn't like anybody in 2016, um, I was very amused, like I said, with the what was going on on the Republican side. Um, it was just, you know, we'd come out of eight years of a Democratic president. A lot of people paid way more attention to the Republicans than they did the Democrats, because everyone already assumed that Hillary was going to be the nominee. And I think it was rigged for her from day one, and it, and it really it was. Um, but no one expected Bernie to come out. And now what's going on in 2020... I think that people need to start preparing for a Bernie Sanders uh, candidacy for President of the United States, uh, Democratic nominee Bernie Sanders. And I would never have said this a year ago or two years ago or four years ago or whatever. But I think that that if you're a, a realist and you follow the news and you follow politics and you actually you know, get away from the mainstream stuff and, um, you inform yourself and you look at online at who actually supports him, you know, there's a movement behind him and it started in 2016. So, you know, that movement in 2016 behind Trump, cause Trump was a movement. It wasn't about, you know, he obviously makes everything about him, but he represented a movement. And I honestly think that of all these candidates now, On the Democratic side, Bernie is the only one who represents a movement and there is a movement behind him and you can see it in the money. You can, you know, like I said, I don't trust polls, um, but he's he's right there, you know. And and one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is Elizabeth Warren um, as, you know, like her and Bernie are are very much the same. Now, she has changed quite a bit um, this election cycle. She started out way more progressive than she stands today. Um, she has walked back a lot of her progressive posturing, and I think that's pissed off a lot of the, you know, like diehard younger people, progressive liberal base, that sort of sector. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Like, obviously, we, we're going into these first primaries, and everyone's already. Predicting, oh, this person will win in Iowa and then New Hampshire, and then it'll be all be over by super. T-. I mean, they say that every year, and and that it doesn't happen. It's very unpredictable. No one predicted Obama in two thousand and eight, uh, and no one predicted Trump in two thousand sixteen. So we we have to let this thing play out. But you know, I see this movement behind Bernie, and there's an even bigger movement behind whoever this candidate's going to be. There is a huge anti-Trump movement in America. Um, And I think that's one thing that the news media ignores, even though they feed into it. Um, But what you're seeing with Bernie right now is, you know, the establishment hates Bernie like mainstream media. They don't like Bernie Sanders. They tout Biden every chance that they can. And, they all, all Biden would be, you know, well, Biden, I can see Biden on state, you know, if you've actually watched any of these debates or if you watched him on the campaign trail, if you've actually gone on YouTube and checked out clips of him, this guy is not there mentally. I'm not saying that he's old or there's something wrong with him. He just, um, you know, Trump has all these stupid ass nicknames for everyone Dude, he's, he's spot on with this Biden one, you know, sleepy, like the dude just looks tired and confused and you know, everyone, they, in these debates, they keep talking about, well, who's going to stand on stage with Trump? I don't think Trump's going to debate anyone when it comes to the general election. Honestly, I'd be surprised if there are any debates, um, The way things are trending now, you know, some things could change and, you know, Trump loves the spotlight. He thinks he can crush anyone in a debate. But I think he's honestly scared to debate whoever it is, you know, but you put Biden up there with him and they actually do debate. Trump crushes Biden like because going back to 2016, if you watched him on those debate stages in the primaries, there's no substance there. It's just crushing personal attacks and that's the way he's governed as president. It's it, there's no substance there. It's all you know who am I in a fight with today or who am I making fun of and then everyone cheerleads him on like oh he's a bully, we love him. he's making America great, all this stuff. Not really, you know and I get it like I'm I'm one of those individuals who I'm not a fan and I don't like it and I think it's extreme but I get why he's doing it. I'm a realist and it's a winning strategy for him. And it's like I said, I, I think deep down he's, he's not informed and he's not smart, but he's politically pretty savvy. He's pretty, he could, I would almost go as far as to say he's a political genius. Um, especially four or five years after he's jumped in, you know, he, he had not done this prior to that 2016 run. So, um, but I think that there's there's these movements on the other side. Um, the question will be, and this is what happened in 2016. Bernie gained all this momentum. He won states. He won primaries. Um, I think the famous one is the West Virginia where he won all 55 counties, and Hillary got all the del- super delegates, so she won the state. It was just something stupid. Like so, the will of the people was not heard on, on that primary side. So people thought, well, what the hell's the point? It's rigged anyways. And, and it was, and it was rigged for her and it's happening again in 2020. So one thing that a lot of people are unaware of, you know, there's a lot of talk in the media, what a lot of the mainstream media will not tell you about the way that this, uh, democratic primary process is happening is, there are still superdelegates there. They're just not on that first ballot at the on the convention floor. So if we get to the convention and we don't have a consensus candidate, then they will go through. And if no one has a majority to become the nominee, then they'll go back and vote again. And then superdelegates, these, uh, you know, non-elected people, they're all establishment people, the same ones who decided Hillary was the greatest thing ever in 2016— they're going to be standing they're going to be on standby. And honestly, I think that that's the, the overall strategy for the DNC for like, uh, you know, the people who are scared shitless of Bernie and Warren and these, these progressives, the ones that actually want to do things that are going to make a positive change. Um, you know, in theory until then you get into the white house and you have to face Congress, which shit's not going to happen with the way Congress works. Um, but that's the strategy. Let's let it. Let's dump as much money as we can into Buttigieg and Biden and these other people. And Klobuchar, I guess, is now coming up. And and it's hard to believe that it's because of her. Like she to me is is there's nothing appealing about her. It's not because she's a woman or anything like that. It's just she's establishment. You know, she she touts this like, oh, I can win against the, you know whatever. I don't give a shit about you. Like, you don't speak to me. None of your policies align with what I want to see happen in this country. So I'm going to discount you. But, you know, the strategy is if we think that these other people are a threat, then we're going to muddy it up enough to where we can get to the convention and we can get these super delegates involved. Because at that point, we can control who the candidate's going to be. I think that's honestly the strategy in this whole thing, and the media—they don't talk about that. I haven't really heard that talked about a lot. But just like stepping back and doing some research on what what the rules for the DNC are this time around, like I honestly think that that is a that's like the backup plan. Like that's a legit backup plan for them, and and that's scary to me. So, and and the one thing going on right now in the media is uh, this Warren sanders feud that's not really a feud but of course the media the mainstream media uh this is an opportunity to knock both of them out and we can get biden we can push biden more because that's the guy we really want because we're all part of this establishment and um man this bullshit has gotten so much airplay this stupid like woman thing and he lied and she didn't oh he she didn't shake his hand we got secret audio you know it's like this is how we got Trump. This is how we got Hillary Clinton. This is how this election is going to be fucked up again is because of this kind of sh- shit in the media. And that's what I'm talking about. Like you have to, you have to, you know, you can absorb your news from whatever outlet that, that is your choice. But man, you have to, it's like the, going back to the, the, your buddy telling the fishing story, you have to really analyze what the truth there. What, what the truth is in what they're they're telling you um, and how much of it has been spun or what angle why why question it like why are they spending so much time on this you know on the surface it just seems like oh a gotcha moment you know because that's what politic the politics in the Trump era have dissolved into is this gotcha you know slam dunked on this guy or ooh you know Martha McSally just called this guy a liberal hack let's you know she's wondering you know like None of this shit matters, guys. Like, that's that's what they're trying to do. Like, ultimately, at the end of the day, as long as they can continue to push establishment posture and make money, that's what they're going to do. And they don't really care. Like, I think secretly at the end of the day, after 20 hours of Trump bashing on MSNBC, those executives, they sit in the boardroom and they they they're secretly thinking, man, what happens if Trump doesn't win re-election? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna fill our day? What are we gonna talk about? You know, because that's all they talk about. Literally, that's all they talk about. Every hour, every leadoff breaking news story, Trump talked about toilets or you know like whatever it is, and you know secretly, I think they want they would love. A Trump re-election, you know, because that is really good for their bottom line, because people are just sucked into this reality show. And what you have to do is you have to turn it off from time to time and you have to get away from it. And and those two guys that I talked about at the barbershop, they had it right. You know, like they they didn't really know what the hell was going on. They didn't even know what impeachment was. And I'm sure that they go fishing and hunting and they go on these family tr- and they're just loving life and they don't worry about it. Their blood pressure doesn't raise one ounce over any of this political stuff, and and that's good. But you know, at the same time, um there are a lot of people like me out there that that do care and are informed and and pay attention. And you know, we're we're heading down this this path of whether you're on the right or you're on the left or whether you're in between. none of us are winning anymore and and i think that it goes back to this bernie sanders movement so the young people understand this and dude they do not talk about this in the in the news they don't talk about the young people they don't talk about policies that affect young people when's the last time on cnn or msnbc they talked about uh college debt they don't talk about this stuff you know Like I said, they're, they're too busy bashing Trump 20 hours a day or peddling Biden or talking about Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren's, you know, pissy fight or whatever it is. And, you know, that, that's where we're at right now. And we, we need to do better than that. Um, I'm not telling anyone to abandon your ideological beliefs, your social beliefs. You know, this is a free country. You can vote for whoever you want. You can back whoever you want. But at the same time, you know, Trump supporters are not all rednecks and they're not all uneducated hillbillies and they're not all racists, and, you know, white supremacists. You know, like all these things that the media likes to tell you or portray. You know, I have countless. Friends who are lifelong Republicans or, you know, identify as conservatives. Some of them not so much now because they have not, they don't like Trump. They don't like to come out and say they don't like Trump, but they really don't like him. But they still hate liberals. Like they hate the Democratic Party more. And you get more of that on the right. The right is more of a zero sum party. Like, you know, I don't really agree with it, but you know what? It's much better than whatever a goddamn liberal would do because they're going to take my gun or whatever. And, you know, I, the Trump supporter or the people who still support the Republican Party or have been lifelong Republicans and have fallen in line with what's happened the last three or four years. These are not dumb people. These are very smart people. And um, they're way more focused than Democrats are. Uh, Democrats are all over the place ideologically. Social, the social issues, policy issues, all over the place. And uh, on the right, it's a little bit more streamlined. It's a little bit more concise. And and their, their go tos. You have way more single issue voters on the right. Um, guns, God, abortion. Those three always win. You've now you've got uh, you've taken that triangle and made it a square with the illegal immigration that that has become the big. You know, most people they don't even understand how illegal immigration or immigration policies affect them. But, you know, that is a ideological talking point. So they have adopted it for whatever reason. I think people on the on the left don't understand it. You know, that is a very complicated issue that not a lot of people understand. And, you know, it's not the most pressing issue. You know, yes, that's a serious issue and it needs to be fixed. But, uh, you know, we can talk about that another time. Um, but the... The Republican Party, you know, like I think people have to stop uh, thinking that people are going to flip on Trump because they're not. They support him. They support the party. They they probably don't agree. They're probably feeling a little bit guilty or ashamed or feel like uh, a little bit gross about that support. But in the long run, this is a long game. You know, they're brand loyal. You know, your your favorite brand. Might put a product out that sucks. It doesn't mean you abandon that brand, you know, like you just might not buy that product or might not, you know, think about that product for a few years. And then they come out with a new product and you're back on board. You know, that's kind of the way politics works. And I think this notion that, oh, everyone's going to dump Trump and vote for a Democrat, it's not going to happen. That's just reality. And I think people need to get over that. And the media doesn't understand that. They like to. They still like to slander the Trump voter, the Republican Party voter supporter, and uh, yeah. It's. I think that's a that's a dead issue, you know. But on this, on the same side of it, I think your your typical liberal or Democrat, like, there's another misconception about what a liberal is, you know, and a lot of my Republicans friend Republican friends call liberals pussies. I, I hate that fucking terminology. I hate that. And, uh, Oh, you're just a pussy because you're a liberal, you know, like I'm, I've got this machismo about me cause I'm a Republican and I have guns and all, you know, there's this, uh, there's this double standard. There's a stereotype on the other on the left too, from the right. And, uh, that's not the case either. I know a lot of, tough ass macho guys who have feelings and they, you know, they like social equality and they don't like social injustice and they don't, they don't believe in strict abortion rights or what whatever the issues are. You know, I know a lot of tough macho ass guys that would like to go to college for free or have their student debt uh, for forgiven or paid or whatever. Um, I know a lot of tough guys And tough women who would love to not have to deal with the bullshit insurance companies anymore um, and have some sort of universal care that they can turn to. So I I think that there's just so many stereotypes on both sides. And And the reason why, and it all goes back to the media and the media projects this upon us and the worst ever, you know, is Fox News. And I used to watch Fox News all the time during the Obama administration um, because I was not the biggest Obama supporter. Yes, I perhaps voted for him, but he was not the candidate that I thought he would be. And there was a lot of policies that had a negative impact on my life personally with what I was doing. And, you know, they, they started it during that Obama administration. And I don't believe in all the well, Fox News is racist, or they pander to the the racist person because Obama was a black president. I don't believe all that, that stereotyping and all that hype. I think that they have done it more in the uh, Trump era, because of uh, illegal immigration and all and other social issues. I think they have, as a as a corporate news entity, I think they have decided that that is a winning argument for their viewers or something worthy of their airtime. I don't understand it. I'm I'm I don't align with those views, so you know, I cannot speak to those. But the the one thing I I think about Fox News, it's hard. I still watch Fox News because I try to consume all news outlets just so I can see I like to analyze how one issue is being broadcast across the airwaves, across all spectrums. And, uh, Fox news, you know, my big joke about Fox news is, oh man, that was a tough day for Trump. We're going to have squirrels riding surfboards on the news tonight on Fox news or whatever it is. You know, they just don't talk about significant issues anymore. And there's my kitty cat again. They just don't talk about significant issues factually or truthfully to their viewers. If it, if it has a negative impact on the Republican brand, they don't talk about it or they, project it or spin it or turn it. And I just don't think that that's fair. Like I expect fair coverage of everyone, you know um, if he sucks, talk about it, you know, doesn't mean that he, he, or if he does something that sucks, talk about it. It doesn't mean that he is the worst thing in history at that moment, you know, but, but be more truthful to your people, you know, your, your followers, your viewers, they, they don't do that. they they've become a propaganda machine, um, and it's sad. Like I have been through the Holocaust Museum and I have I've witnessed these like propaganda um, displays for the Nazis. And I'm not saying that Fox News is or Nazis are trying to compare anything to that. But it's not in, it's obviously not at that level. But like if you've ever studied propaganda and how propaganda works, I mean, the Nazis were masterful at that. Um, obviously they didn't have a free society back then and they could control what everyone like people were only getting one source of their information so that propaganda obviously works when that's the case. You know, in America, that's not the way it is, but for, you know, Fox, they've, they've really become propaganda, like a propaganda machine. And I don't think they're as far as like state television, like you see in North Korea and these other, uh, dictator led countries but it's it's bad and I, and I say this because I used to watch it like I used to watch the coverage for years you know through the war um you know when I was married like the the family I married into they were more conservative like I watched a lot of Fox News and I cringe now when I when I turn on the network but I do I I still watch it um they're very fair to the military and I enjoy that um they they're not as obsessed with like one issue they won't like bludgeon one issue to death on that network like they do on something you know like the left like the msnbcs of the world um they actually still report news especially in the evening like they're uh five o'clock six o'clock seven o'clock like when you get into that time frame they still uh, have like a news broadcast more like your local news. And I enjoy that because they do talk about, they do report on stories abroad. Like MSNBC does not do that. CNN does not. They got away from doing that. It's all just uh, politics in DC. Like like on the other networks, nothing exists other than Washington DC. That's the center of the universe. And and in some ways it, it is a portion of the universe that, has a great effect on, on everyone, but like, that's not it. Like that's not the only thing going on in reality. And you wouldn't know that when you, when you only watch those networks. So, um, so Fox still does some stuff. Uh, when you get into the prime time, like they're just unbearable now. Like I can't, I can't even, those guys are just propagandists. They take their key sheets from the administration. It's disgusting. Um, whatever you know but but my point is if you are only basing your perception of what is going on on your consumption of like this mainstream media or YouTube clips like cuz YouTube's even worse if you go on there and try to get your news clips from there from those networks man they have cherry picked the best ones to just like hook you in you know and a lot of it's out of context or, you know, like I, I see things shared on social media all the time or tweeted, retweet, retweeted, just the dumbest things. It's like, that has nothing to do with people. Like that is just, it's for entertainment purposes and it's a gotcha moment. And that's what the politics have dissolved into. And, you know, I was just astounded when I watched the impeachment hearings, uh, when we were going through that process. Um, and I, am going to talk about impeachment. I'm going to do another episode just on, you know, like what I've, I've, I've viewed most of this stuff and I have done quite a bit of research on impeachment and the process and all these different things. And, you know, I've got, I've got a whole take on on how that process kind of played out and what I've seen. And then how the news has then not ruined it, but like they have like this process, it's going to happen. And, and the media, man, they both sides, like both sides of the media have just distorted this process. You know, I, I loved it because yesterday they swore them in and it's like, Oh shit, it's real now. Like you've been sworn in. Now you have to sit here and do a job. And, like, if you paid attention to the media, it's like, oh, this won't even happen. They won't even get to a trial. They're going to dismiss. You know, like, this process was going to happen. There will be witnesses. There will be some sort of process. We already know what the outcome is. I think you're a moron if you think. Like, I honestly think they could find a dead body in the Oval Office and they'll still acquit the guy. That's just the way politics have dissolved in America in the year 2020. But uh, there's still going to be a process, and and I think you should watch it. And um, it's a political process. This is not a court of law. This is not the United States judicial system. This is politics, and this is politics at its, like, peak. So you have to understand that. Like, one one side's not going to win. Like, I think both sides lose. Like, I think both sides have already lost in this process. But, you know, it is... For those people who are somewhere in the middle, you know, uh, like myself, you know, who objectively bash both sides or will praise both sides at times. Um, you know, like this is, this is history, you know, I want to be able to remember this process. Um, so in 20 years, when they talk about this Trump impeachment and how this was a terrible time, I can be like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And I'm all old and crusty and whatnot. I don't remember the Clinton stuff. I was too young. Um, this doesn't happen very often. I, I and I hope it doesn't start to become a thing that is like a political tool, and and that's what the Republicans have been arguing this whole time. And it's not. You know, the, this was an extreme reaction, like I said earlier, to extreme behavior. That's what it is—an extreme reaction to extreme behavior, and. Hopefully this won't be the norm. Like, I I honestly hope the next presidency is the most boring thing on the planet. And I hope people come out of this era and decide, you know, God, that was stupid. I'm exhausted. Let's be boring for a few years and let's get some shit done that actually helps people. But the media doesn't want that. The establishment doesn't want that. And the corporate interests who control the politicians, they sure as hell don't want that. So this is just a vicious cycle that we're in. And it's always going to come back to getting the money out of the politics. As soon as we do that, I think we have a shot at this, guys. So I think I'll stop there. Um, Like I said, this has uh, been the first episode of Shattering the Illusion. And, you know, I'm going to try to do this a couple times a week throughout the year 2020, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm not endorsing anyone for president on either side. Um, I will objectively, you know, talk about what I think might happen or what, you know, what I think's going to taking place and kind of, uh, brush back some of the media smoke of how, how these things are covered. But, um, you know this is this whether you're exhausted whether you're on team Trump whether you're on team anti Trump whatever this is this is a historical time for everyone and um i know i'm going to be paying attention to it and commenting on it and um you know i hope that if you if you do listen to this uh maybe you're feeling some of the same way or if you are on one team or the other team blue team versus red team you know, you can, might actually listen to some of this commentary and maybe just open up your mind just a little bit, you know, as to, you know, I didn't realize how bad this was or what the stereotype was or this, that, or the other. Um, there is some middle ground here and uh, that's where I'm standing. And, you know, I keep looking back to the right and to the left and, um, I'm hopeful that something positive will happen this year as far as uh in politics in this election cycle um i don't know who's going to win um i mean honestly i'm i would not want another 4 years of this i i think it's terrible um and you know that's it's not because i'm anti-republican or anything like that it's just it's bad. It, it's bad. Just looking at it through, a, a the realist lens of clarity. It's, it's been bad. You know, it's been bad on both sides and it's not going to get any better. I think continuing this is going to not destroy the country. These people are so extreme in the media. Oh, they're going to destroy the country. I think the country will survive. I think the institutions will survive, but I think that this extreme behavior and these extreme reactions, I think they're just going to keep getting worse and worse. It's going to be a reciprocal thing. And and I'm ready for a, a period of boring. I just, I honestly am. I don't really care what the president is doing as long as they're not being corrupt and they're working on behalf of the people and the people in Congress are trying to actually pass laws that affect the average person, as opposed to tax cuts or some healthcare victory that really made improvements, but it was like a half you know, like these political things like get the shit done, like go all or nothing. You know, if it's going to help everyone, everyone get on board and fix it, you know, quit fighting about it. You know, there's compromise in there, like there's legit compromise in there, not bullshit how politics work compromise, but there's legit compromise, um, on a lot of these issues, you know, and I think the sides need to work a little bit better together. I think, I think this media polarization era needs to stop. Um, I would never say regulate news media or anything like that, but something needs to happen. Something needs to change. No one, this isn't making anything better. Um, and you know, it's an interesting time and a lot more people like me have become way more informed on this stuff due to what happened in 2016 and where we're at in 2020 and you know, we'll see what happens from here. So uh, if you like anything that you've heard, you can always click uh, subscribe and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time.